So welcome to Frontline Nursing, a NurseMinder production that gives you the insider's look into the daily life of nurses on the front lines. Whether you're considering nursing as a profession, you're currently a student, or you're a nurse in transition to a new patient population, this show will help give you a behind the scenes look into the trades that you might be considering. Today's episode is all about perioperative nursing, the nurse specialty that focuses on working with patients who are undergoing invasive procedures. So get those note apps and pens and papers ready because this is going to be a good one. Today on Frontline Nursing, we are joined by Rosalie DeVoe, a perioperative nurse who has been working in a level two trauma center in one of Alberta's largest hospitals since 2017. Welcome to the show, Rosalie. Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome to have you. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. So let's just get started by digging into a little bit of your background. What, what brought you to nursing? How did you find nursing to be your profession? Um, well, I moved here from Quebec when I was young and I was homeschooled. So then I went to high school when I was in grade nine. And there was, um, at my high school, it was called a Lynx class. So it was a persons with disabilities class. They were put in this class and they did all these activities. And I started to volunteer in that class. And from that, I got a job in group homes with people with disabilities. Uh, I was giving medications, but I wasn't really doing exactly what I wanted to. And there was a lot of nurses that were in the, working alongside me as coworkers. Um, so I just kind of thought of it as it was what I needed to do, what I wanted to do. It gave me joy to think about being able to, to touch people's lives in a meaningful way. Um, so I signed up to go to Norquest. I had trouble getting in. <laughs> I, because I didn't have the greatest high school grades, okay. I two courses by 1%. So I had to upgrade and I was like, maybe this isn't meant for me, maybe I need to do something else. But I persevered and I got in finally and I remember getting the email saying I had the seat saved and to send the... I don't know what it was back then, like $400 to save the seat or whatever it was. And I was like, I need to send the money right now. I don't want anyone to take my seat. <laughs> so anyways, I got in and I was very nervous. I, you know, did everything that a student does. I bought new pens, a nice cool backpack, I bought a MacBook. I never had one before. And yeah, I just loved school so much. I liked that I, so I did face-to-face -face at Norquest. Mm -hmm. I liked I could go to class, but it wasn't mandatory to always be there. So if I wasn't feeling well or if I needed to work on an assignment, it was flexible like that. Um, I don't think I would have done the online program because the basics, you just kind of need to be there for that. The labs are very important. Having the labs every week was very important for me. Um, made it through school. I did very well. I I talked to my teachers all the time and I was very involved and I think that helped me. I talked to my peers as well, um, talking about exams before and after, doing study groups, things like everything that you read online, <laughs> I did. <laughs> so anyways, I graduated school and, well, before I graduated, I got into the preceptorship program uh, to the OR at the for the preceptorship. Yeah, and, so did you know that that's where you wanted to go before you apply? Like, did you have visions when you started nursing school that OR was your destination or did that evolve throughout? How did you get there? Um, well, it's kind of a stupid story. I thought it was going to be like Grey's Anatomy and I was going to be like, you know, all cool. It's not like that at all. It's so much better than what they portray online and so different. So I got into the OR for my preceptorship. I was one of, I 
two or four people picked out of however many applied and it was just great. I had a very great preceptor when I got there and I actually got an educational opportunity from that preceptorship. So that means that my hospital paid for my education to go to the Periot program at Grant McEwen and I was paid to be in school. The school was paid for, it was online, which was new to me, but it actually worked out pretty well because I was in the OR working already. So I kind of had that background knowledge the basis that made me succeed for online. Okay, how long was the online program? It was good. It was kind of a little bit disorganized. You have really had to organize yourself. Okay, and how long was it? Um, I believe it was about six months. Oh, that's quite uh, intense. So you, were you working, like, um, learning on the job at the same time, or was this all just focused studies? Um, so it was both. So I was online, doing it whenever I had time to. I finished it earlier, which early, which was nice because I had time to relax. But I went into the OR for one shift a week. Okay, during that six months, that was kind of the structure of it. It was a little bit less than six months, October to December. <laughs> okay. Oh, and then it was in class math, so maybe I guess I can You are giving food for those who say nurses can't do math. I just want you to know right now. Yeah, I can do math. I just wasn't thinking about it. <laughs> just not when we disguise it as months, that's all. <laughs> it was less than one year. That's also. awesome. So your OR experience in your preceptorship, that's really what solidified that that was the direction you wanted to take at the point? Or were you um, lured by the free education? To, to no, it wasn't lured. I I had done my med surge precept, uh, my med surge clinicals and my long-term care clinical. Right. And I know you start off in long-term care and you just kind of get discouraged because it's so hard because you've never done any of that before. Like, it is rather like jumping into the, the deep end of a pool. Yeah, you go back to that first clinical, you don't just care for, I mean, obviously it's a human, but they have sometimes 15 diseases and 40 different meds. And for your very first exposure, that to me is a lot of deep diving into your knowledge and your skill set that the critical thinking pieces don't really come into play because it's more survival during your long-term care. Yeah, I had a very, very good teacher in my long-term care. Mm -hmm. So she was really part of my success when I was stumbling a little bit in long-term care. But having the long-term care, the med surge clinicals really solidified that I didn't want to do, I guess you could say bedside nursing on the floor. Yeah. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be more involved in the surgical part of it. I liked working closely with the doctors and the other nurses and having, I don't know, I just had this thought of being on the floor, being short-staffed, having to do medications, and then an emergency happens and that just wasn't what I wanted. So I went to the OR and then I ended up loving it and I have never left. That's awesome. So for those who are currently in school maybe or they're thinking of transitioning to the OR, can you take us back to the very first day you scrubbed in on your own, independent nurse, and what that day felt like for you? Yeah, so I was in general surgery and it was a uh, lab coli. So when you take your gallbladder out laparoscopically. And I had a really good preceptor. He really, you know, got me going, pumped me up. He made sure that I was ready. Um, and it was just, it was with a really nice surgeon and everything just went really well. And I felt like, wow, I can like really, do, I can really do this. It's not, I, I always imagined it 
before I was in the OR program, that it was going to be so out of, out of my realm and I wasn't going to understand what was happening because I'm not a doctor. I don't know the whole human body, but you don't need to know everything. It's kind of like you learn on the job, you learn what is most important, what to do first when an emergency happens, and there's always people to help you. So it's not like you're ever alone. Mm -hmm. One of my first surgeries, I've had opportunity to be in the OR many times over my career, which is uh, one of the best things about my journey and one of the things I saw for the first surgery was the removal of a gallstone and I remember them being so excited about the size of this gallstone and I had never seen one before so I was like unimpressed but they were like taking pictures and putting the ruler beside it and it was you know quite a large stone and I'm like okay I had no reference for it to, to be excited but I do remember the excitement they had <laughs> I mean the patient wasn't happy obviously but they were having pain from it. But it was rather interesting to be in there and see that even the OR nurses get excited and the docs get excited about what they see in there. Yeah, it's very, some people think it might be monotonous after a while, but it really isn't. Every patient is different. Every surgery is different. The surgeons are very different, different personalities, different thing happen every day. It's very yeah. exciting. So that leads me to my next question, actually. Um, aside from do you work eights or twelves, I'm more interested in working in understanding do you work with the same team and same patient population, or do you have opportunity to work with different specialty physicians and see different surgeries being done? Um, well, I work, I have a rotation of eight weeks, so I do some days and some nights. Um, right now I'm on a temporary position where I do just days and it's very nice. But I, at the other OR, um, you do you are assigned to every day to a certain room or usually you're assigned to a service and then you're put into a room so you're working with the same people for that day but it's change it changes all the time so if you look on monday to see where you are on tuesday it could change just depending on staffing levels and if you know a trauma comes in or something like that um and yes i do get to work with specialty people i get to work with this trauma team um, a lot at the other or um, I've done, we have done a few HOPE cases, so that's, the acronym is something, Organ Recovery and Exchange, Human Organ, organ Recovery and Exchange. So those are people who, um, they've consented to organ donation, so they have passed away from whatever reason and we're retrieving their organs to be donated. Uh, they're very long surgeries usually, um, but you do get to see a lot of people. You get to see, depending on what they're taking, cardio surgeons, thoracic surgeons, vascular, just everyone is in there. And it's so exciting to be in that room when everything is happening and it feels like it's slow motion, but really it's happening very fast. Mm -hmm. um, I also work with some very skilled thoracic surgeons. So there's sometimes things really hit the fan and you have to react very quickly and you have to know exactly what to do. Um, I work with some very good plastic surgeons as well. Just every, everyone is really good. And there's, I would say the mo the people I most look forward to working with is the trauma surgeons when there's a, when there's um, a trauma that comes in. Cause I don't usually, I don't usually see them around. Um, and they're just, it's nice to kind of work with someone who you don't know them at all, but then you get to know them in five minutes and, and you and you figure out, you know, how they like things and their personality and depending on the situation, cracking jokes or what have you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I do work with very many specialized surgeons and I've even seen 
like articles. I've read articles about these people that I work with, oh, and it's just very cool to be like I'm part of that. You know, it's yeah, just very cool. That is very cool. It's a good feeling. It sounds like you need to be able to forge relationships and trust really, really quickly. Do you have any tips or tricks on how you do that with these different teams? Um, well, with coworkers, I would say most people I've found they really want you to prove yourself to them before they kind of trust you, which I think is a human being thing. It's not like a doctor thing or a nurse thing. I think that's a human being thing. And you kind of have to just be confident in yourself. You went to school for this. You belong You belong here. This is your job. You are still hired. You're not fired. You know, you, this is what you're here to do. So just be confident in yourself and know your abilities, but also know your weaknesses. So for example, if you're not familiar with a surgery and there's only three of you on a night shift, like maybe say, hey, can I circulate for this one? I'm not really comfortable scrubbing, if that's you know a thing that you can do with your team. And just work with your team and, and, and know what your shortfalls are, know what your strengths are, and know how to communicate with your team. Because if, if you can't communicate with your team, then you don't really have one, right? You need to be able to communicate. Yeah, well, you know communication's a big thing and near and dear to my heart, so. <laughs> I took your class. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, that did make me think of another question. I kind of lost it. So give me just a second, see if it'll come back. We're talking about... <sighs> I could talk about rapport with patients. Well, yeah, I do want to get to that as well, because I know that the patient contact is a little different. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh my God, you said something that was so profound. I thought I wanted to explore it a little bit more. It's just, it's lost now. Maybe it'll come back a little bit later as we go through. Okay. Um, but you had kind of mentioned the difference between unit nursing and OR nursing and the different numbers of patients and tasks that you have to do. And I know when I go to a med surge floor with patients or a long-term care facility, we have multiple patients and tasks and I end up having multiple pieces of paper to keep me organized. So yeah. How does your organization work when, I mean, I know you're assigned maybe to a theater or a team, but are you bouncing back and forth between rooms and the different roles within the OR? How do you keep organized? Well, that whole org plan thing they talk about, I don't have one of those in OR. Sometimes I'm here. <laughs> you have to, so sometimes you are bouncing between rooms. So at my hospital, they assign 2.5 nurses to a room. So that means that there's two nurses that are staying in the room for the whole day and one nurse that's going between two theaters um, to do break relief. So when you're, or you can also be assigned to floating. So you're just going to whatever theater needs help at that, at whatever time. Um, so I would say when I'm floating, so meaning I'm going to whatever theater needs help, I don't know what I'm walking into a lot of the time, I go straight to the chart, I check for their allergies, I check what surgery they're getting done, I check to see if there's anything, if they're asking for things at the sterile field right away. If I've walked into an emergency, I find who is, you know, in charge, what I can help, what I can do. Um, but if I'm in a room by myself and it's just me and the other nurse working, uh, we kind of, when we start the day, we kind of have a plan of what we want to do, who's going to scrub on what, who's going to circulate on what. Um, scrubbing means that you're sterile in the surgery and you're helping the surgeons do the surgery. You're handing things up, uh, establishing the sterile field, keeping the sterile field sterile. All the principles of sterility. Uh -huh. um, and then a circulator nurse is the opposite. So that's the girl or guy who is charting at the computer. They're opening sterile supplies for you doing linen, doing like everything that's not at the field, helping anesthesia, 
I need fluids. Find the crash cart if you need it. You need to know where that is. Uh Um, So that's everything that's non-sterile. You're opening gowns for people who are scrubbing in. You're tying gowns up. You are doing literally a million things. I can't even list them all. But you're doing everything that's unsterile. Um, so I just see if the if the nurse needs anything in the sterile field and then I make sure that everything in the room is done you know I have all my linen done if it's a room where there's no emergency I'm focusing on you know is there anything that needs to be done before I sit down and charge or something for example um, but if it's in an emergency I just walk in and I'm ready to do whatever they need me to do I'm asking what I can do to help getting the crash card helping anesthesia scrubbing in yeah, you kind of have to know, sometimes you know what you're going into and sometimes you really don't. Or you go into something that's calm and someone has gone for a lunch break and then all of a sudden it's not calm. So you need to go in and you need to ask for help. Sometimes you're pushing the call bell, the emergency bell, and you're starting a code. I think so, that's true across all nursing and a really good point is that we always need to be ready for the change and for something to be different than what we expect. And look for things that are the most important to do. Like you're not gonna go in and put your name in the chart right away. If you haven't assessed the whole room and seen, you know, is there anything that they need? Is anesthesia okay? Has the other people in the room had their breaks? Like a whole million things before you sit down and chart. Uh So I know you've been in there for a few years now and for the moments that I've been in and out of the OR, I've certainly had some thoughts about whether it would be a good fit for me. I remember thinking between OR and Emerge, those are my two kind of, or ICU, those are my two. I really was curious about both and I saw some great things in the OR, but there were things that were hard for me, like standing on my feet all day and wearing the mask and feeling the heat underneath my face and feeling flushed. And how, how have you felt about those um, transitioning to having those expectations of your job? Well, I remember I started my first day and I walked in and I was like, what is that smell? (laughs) (laughs) Usually, usually the smell of cautery. And you know, it took me a while. So cautery is the equipment that they use to coagulate the skin and it smells terrible. Yeah. (laughs) They do use this uh, machine called a smoke evacuation machine, which takes the smoke away when they cauterize the vessels or the skin. But I mean, you can never take 100% of it away. So I remember walking in and I was like, oh my goodness, what, how am I gonna, I I felt nauseous right away. It wasn't something that I was ever used to. It kind of smells like a really bad barbecue and like, it just is not, but the good thing is you get used to it. So after, I don't even know how long it took me and I don't even know if I ever really realized that I was used to it and it didn't bother me anymore. But yeah, that was one of the, my big things that I was like, this is, what is this smell? I'm like, I wish I was back in long-term care. But honestly, it gets better <laughs> for some things. Honestly, it gets better. Um, and then also the masks. There's different masks that each site carries and you can, there's some masks that have like plastic along the nose here. If you wear glasses, to kind of keep the fog away from your glasses. I know that bothers people a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's ones that are just paper. If you don't wear glasses and they're really nice on your face, there's a whole bunch of different ones. Just find which one works for you. I find that when I'm scrubbed in, I always want to wear eye protection. So there's ones that have a face shield on it. Or in ortho, we wear these striker hoods, which are like this plastic thing you put on your head and then you put a 
sterile thing over your head. It's like a helmet, a space helmet. That covers oh, wow. Well, they do some pretty interesting things in ortho. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. you don't have to wear a mask under that. So I like that because I usually wear glasses. So I don't like bogging out my glasses. And I like that I can readjust my glasses because the front of it is sterile. Right. That's a good point. Um, and then um, there's some regular things like as you would see on the floor, like sometimes there's, you know, code browns and or there's a dead bowel. And you just need to breathe through your mouth <laughs> and just kind of remember that it's not gonna be forever. Just kind of like hype yourself up inside. That's what I do personally. Or if I have it available to me, there's these things called tincture, which is, it's kind of like clove oil smelling and you put it on your mask and some people hate it. I like it personally if I'm in a bowel case and I don't want to smell any smells. So that really helped me, especially in the beginning. When I was in the military and we went overseas, they told us to put Vaseline, um, a Vicks VapoRub under our nose. And so yeah. I don't know if you've heard that one either, but put that under there and then the mask on, then you won't have to worry about smells. <laughs> or, or peppermint oil or any kind of, everyone is into essential oils now, you know, put some yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. All right, so before our interview, I did ask some Facebook fans, viewers, if they had some questions for people in the perioperative nursing. So I'm going to ask you now their questions. Sure. So the first one is, do you like wearing Costco scrubs or, you do, or do you wish you could buy your own? Oh, man, I love the hospital scrubs. Yeah. I, when I was in my clinicals, I hated doing laundry. I hated the thought of maybe bringing something home with me, like lice, bed bugs. C. diff. <laughs> I don't want any of that in my home, okay? I don't want to wash it in my washing machine. I don't want to have anything to do with that. So I don't want to have anything, any chance of bringing it home is what I mean. So I like that there's hospital scrubs available to me. They're not the, you know, sexiest scrubs, but you know, they're color coordinated and they well and you can in the OR we usually wear a jacket over top of our scrubs so there's two different kinds of jackets so there's like some fashion style there fashion choice there um but yeah I do like that I don't have to there's no chance or a very low chance of me ever bringing anything home with me and I don't have to do laundry and I can go to work in my pajamas <laughs> <That's the best. laughs> that's awesome <laughs> all right question number I two I work in pajamas all the time <laughs> really Sweet. Everyone does. <laughs> you just come home and right into bed. Oh yeah. Yeah. Power nap. Okay, question number two. What has been the most challenging part of your job? Um hmm. I would say it's a mix between learning all the different services. I know a few. Uh, urology, general surgery, thoracics, plastics, ortho, ortho trauma, a little bit of neuro, arthroplasty, ortho arthroplasty. Wow. So, I mean, you kind of have to, I mean, the scrubbing is all the same usually. You know, your sterile field is always the same, opening sterile supplies is always the same, but you kind of have to, you really have to adapt to the nurses that you're working with, the surgeons that you're working with, whether you have a lot of time to set up, whether you have a couple minutes, whether it's a emergency case, a whole bunch of different things. Whether there's contaminations, there's contaminations a lot, and sometimes you have to take everything down and do it again. Yeah. So you think that you know you have everything perfectly laid out and everything, and then you have to take everything down. So 
I found it hard, especially in the beginning, to kind of morph myself like a chameleon into different into different services. So for example, in thoracics, we hand everything upside down because they're working with their hands in the thoracic cavity and they don't need things upright, they need them down. But that's the only service that that happens in. There's things, some things that you hand down in other services, but uh-huh. it's hard to, when you don't know 100% what you're doing, when you're a student, when you're new in a service, to, to think about those little things all the time. So I found that hard, the difference, differences between the services. Or also, some services are very serious, and the people are very serious. And yeah. you always, I mean, you always have to be on your game, but there's some services where you really have to, there's no, it's stressful. Uh-huh. And then there's some services where you're just joking the entire day and laughing, and it's kind of like, you know, very fun. And I mean, it's always fun, but there's more services that are more, like loose <laughs> you know you can laugh saying. you can make jokes yeah in there i know what you're saying <laughs> yeah it depends on the people in the room right as a guest in the or i have been invited to the bedside by the doctor to actually participate in whatever skill he wanted me to participate in and oh, yeah. it was a debridement actually and he was injecting epinephrine and he's like come on up here and i'm like uh <laughs> yeah like i'm standing here on the wall as paper, you know wallpaper i'm not supposed to be at the bedside and then others who were like don't touch anything get to the back of the wall just stand there and observe so i've certainly seen a mixture of personalities yeah okay question number three how long do you typically stand for and do you get breaks oh absolutely you get breaks you are always entitled to your breaks don't listen to people who tell you that you don't get breaks okay that's number one you are a unionized nurse well usually if you're in the hospital, you're unionized nurse. So you're entitled to all your breaks. And if you don't get your breaks, you go home early or you pick up, you get overtime and it's always your choice. Um, at least for me and my site. Um, so sometimes it, it kind of varies. For example, if you're doing a an all day case, like an Ivor Lewis in thoracics, that's where they, I think it's esophageal cancer and they do a whole bunch of different things and it takes like seven, eight hours. You're there all day. I do eight hour shifts by the way. And so most of the time you know ahead of time that you're gonna be in that room and most of the time you know ahead of time that you're gonna scrub. So what I do before I scrub for a long case is I'm usually the night before I'll drink a lot of water so that I don't have to drink a lot of water in the morning. Uh, I'll eat a really good breakfast, like almost a breakfast and a lunch. <laughs> I eat a lot of protein so that I can last my, I don't get hunger pains or anything like that during the day and I can just focus. Um, but then there's other times where you're in another service and you're just working, you're just scrubbed for one hour or half an hour or even four hours. And honestly, I would say the thing that has helped me the most has been wearing good shoes, being healthy, wearing orthotics you have orthotics coverage use it (laughs) and i also wear compression stockings so those help my i don't have varicose veins or anything like that but they help my feet and legs feel less fatigued at the end of the day and i also don't have to bring a whole bunch of socks in my backpack so i like that (laughs) i don't like Um, socks yeah exactly um and also make sure you're kind of like shifting your weight don't stand in one place with your knees locked really 
do like calf raises kind of and you know sometimes people think that they look stupid doing that but i honestly don't care i don't care if i look stupid i don't care if people are saying like oh rosalie is doing a calf raise like honestly the people who mind don't matter so <laughs> i do all the calf raises um but yeah usually you know ahead of time that you're scrubbing for a long time and also if you don't know ahead of time usually the nurses in the room are pretty flexible and they'll allow you, or even the timing with the patient and anesthesia, you are able to set your table up and go for a break and sit down and eat some food and drink some water. Nice. Most of the time. So that leads me to the next question. What happens if you have to go to the washroom in the middle of a case? Um, you know what, honestly, and I speak from personal experience, I've never had to scrub out to go to the washroom. I usually for an eight hour case though, they there is usually a designated break. But I, I don't know. I think it's just like a human body thing. Like you're you're even if it's not a stressful scrub, you're still you have the adrenaline in you and you know your body kind of knows when it's time to do something and when it's really not time to do something. So personally, I don't feel like that's a problem for me because you just kind of don't think about it. My body just doesn't and I drink a lot of water but I usually drink more water in the evening when I'm not at work. Yeah, you've got some sort of a system that works for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you ever had to do CPR in the OR? I have not. Okay. Um, have you ever lost a patient in the OR? Um, me personally, no, but there has been in other rooms while I was working, yes, and it's yeah. very sad. But there is always a huge team to help you. There, You have um, EAP, I think is the acronym anyways the hospital will give you counseling if you need it there's always people available just to, to talk there's always going to be a debrief if something has happened or if you're affected by something uh there's always resources and use them okay two more questions and these aren't from the facebook group now these are just my kind of closing questions so for those who are dabbling with the idea of switching or transitioning or starting off in the OR, can you share with them some steps that you took to begin your career, um, courses, training, mentoring? I know we talked a little bit about it before, but maybe just kind of give a few tips here as to how they can position themselves to be successful. Yeah, so this is kind of a really long answer, but I, I kind of have this thing about my life. I think you know, I always think that I'm not ready for something. Like, am I really prepared to do this? Am I prepared to do everything that is involved in this task? For example, when I was I was leaving to go travel across Asia backpacking and I was so scared and I was planning it and I was going alone and I was like, do I really want to do this? And then I just was like, you know what? I'm just gonna book it because you're really never ready for anything. Like, can you be 100% ready for something? No, because you don't know that things that are not gonna happen that you, you don't know the things that you don't know. So it's not like you can prepare for that. So I booked the trip and I had an amazing time. So then I also put that towards the nursing. I was, I was like, do I wanna really do nursing? Is that what I wanna do? I was the first one in my family to go to college or university and I was scared. But I researched online, I talked to my friends, I talked to my teachers and I really, like the, remember I said that I was struggling getting in by 1% for two glasses. That's kind of like, I was thinking, I'm thinking about that now when I was like, wow, I, I wasn't really, that wasn't a bar. It was just, I thought that it was a bar. I really, those were classes that I need to, to pick up and 
and think about more and take again. And that's the reason why it was like that. To get 59% in a class when you need 60, come on, that's, that's. For some people that would be the end of that option. They would just go look at something else and not. Yeah, absolutely do not do that. Yeah. <laughs> you need to, to push yourself. Things will seem very hard when you haven't done them, but then all of a sudden you're through school and you've done all your CIAs and you've done all your clinicals and you've done a great job and you're just like, wow, how did, how did I do that? You know, you kind of, it's amazing what people can do when they really, you're, you're putting your all into it. And some people struggle and some people struggle more than others. And that's okay. There's always gonna be people to help you. There's always gonna be the school to help you, your teachers. Don't ever let it be, oh, I wanna quit nursing because this thing happened or because I'm bullied or because like everything is fixable. So. Yeah. I recently uh, read a quote that was something along that lines about um, when you push your boundaries, you realize that your boundaries are actually further than you would actually know because you're exploring yeah. is it what you think is possible and then you go, wow, there's actually more universe out there and there's more space for you to go. Yeah. I worked in group homes and I sat on the couch most of the time and I was not used to standing. Uh, and then I got thrown into the hospital and now I stand for eight hours a day and I don't have any problems because I take care of myself. I wear compressed stockings, good shoes. Mm -hmm. Just take care of your body and it'll it'll do amazing things for you. And, and same for your brain. You, just like I said, you think that something is so hard, but then you get through it and you all of a sudden you're like, how did that happen? You just kind of realize you're at a point where you've done all these things, you've done all the steps right, and either it works or it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, you just have to change something and, and it'll happen for you. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think you've answered my next question, so I won't even have to ask that. That's awesome. So um, is there anything else you think you'd like to share with those listening who may be considering the perioperative nursing field? Um, yes, do it. <laughs> I know, you know, I'll be honest. I'm listening to you going, oh, I'm thinking back to all the times I was in there. So like I saw the gallbladder, I saw an aortic dissection, I saw the lungs being deflated. I've seen the orthos, the traumas, the burns. I'm like, oh, I kind of miss being involved. And I'm like, she's making me a good case to want to go back in. <laughs> I, um, operating room nurses are very in demand all the time, everywhere. They're, we're always going to be needed. Same like floor nurses, but I mean, it's a specialty. So it's not like you're just some number i never felt like i was just a number that i could be that i was replaceable i've always had really good experiences at my at my site with my coworkers, with my managers you you were really supported i find and as long as you are willing to look for that help that you need you're willing to ask those questions that you need to ask there's nothing that can stop you you can do whatever you want and honestly the or is so fun it's not like regular bedside nursing you're not hurting your body moving patients or are at risk of hurting your body moving patients you're not running around giving drugs to everyone feeling ice <laughs> you're you're really involved you are way involved and you also have to um make a rapport with patients and staff very quickly. So sometimes I only see the patients when I go to pick them up and it's, I'm checking their chart and I'm making sure everything is there. And I talk to them for one minute, two minutes, and then we're down to the OR. Yeah, so, so what's the unit to get them? Um, well, they, no, they come onto our unit, but we oh. go to the, the patient holding area to get them. Okay. So sometimes you really don't have much time to talk to them and I find, one of the hardest things about being an OR nurse is 
you don't always get to find like what happened after the surgery. So usually for big traumas, we we have friends all over the hospital. So if they go to ICU, we kind of figure out what happens after they went to ICU, after they come to us. But for example, just like some, I remember one patient, she was getting uh, some kind of general surgery and she was really scared because there was men in the room. And it was just like, you kind of wonder what her um, prognosis, what her situation was after. Like you wonder if like, did I make her feel comfortable enough? Did I, you know, did she recover from the surgery that she had? Did she have any problems? Was she supported by her family? Like you think about those things. And sometimes that's hard because you don't know what's happening afterwards. Um, but also sometimes it's good because you're not, I remember patients on the floor. I still remember my first patient who cried to me in long-term care because I was leaving. I was not being his nurse that week anymore. And he cried and I was like, wow like he really he really liked me so much that he teared up so i mean it's kind of good and bad but there's good and bad in every sector of nursing and if you get into the or and you don't like it you there's so many more opportunities for you everywhere so and that knowledge is never wasted you become a better educator and advocator on the floor when you know what's going on the procedures are going for yeah yeah, I remember when I was a student and I thought it was so hard to remember all the surgeries, all the instruments. Oh man, I I didn't really struggle too too much because I had a really good preceptor and he really held me up and and he and he was just so great. And even after my perioperative um, program, my preceptor, I had a different preceptor at this time and she was also very awesome. And both of those people are instrumental in why I where I am today but I remember thinking how am I going to remember all of these names the names have nothing to do with what the instrument does like an adsen tissue is just like a little tweezer and how are you going to remember that it's an adsen it has nothing to do with you know like these things I was thinking of and I was like how am I going to remember all this and then all of a sudden it just you just get it like it's not that you remember a time where you got it or you remember after a certain surgery, you got something. And they always say it takes two years to become comfortable in the OR. Yeah. And honestly, that's true. Like I was comfortable in the beginning. I was always very confident in myself, but I was always kind of in the back of my mind, like, am I gonna hear what they're saying? Am I gonna know what they're asking for? Am I gonna know what to do if some emergency happens? And then it happens. And you know what to do and you do it perfectly or semi-perfectly and there's always room for improvement, but then you're just kind of like, wow, like I really know what I'm doing and it's not just me thinking I'm good. <laughs> you actually, and, and it never happened at a certain point. It just kind of, I was comfortable and now I go into the, I go into work every day and I don't check where I am. I'm flexible to work with any surgeon, with any nurse. I work on the go. Sometimes I'm switched midday and that's totally fine. And to get to that point is really rewarding because I used to have so much anxiety about where I was going to be and who I was going to be with. And I used to, I remember when I was a student, I used to think, oh, what if I work in a room with someone that I don't like? Mm -hmm. That's a real fear. But, and sometimes, you, and you know, you don't like everyone, but in the OR, you really are a team and you have you have to be because there's only two of you in there, sometimes three. 
And if, if crap goes wrong, you have to be able to work together. So I find that if I just think of it this way, then I'll be okay for the rest of the day. I think about what is it really, is, is something affecting me personally, or is it just, I am upset about something that they're doing? Like, are they a rude person and I'm upset that they're rude to me? Well, does that really matter? Because I'm here to, to be, I'm here for the patient, not here for this nurse that doesn't like me. You know, you can still work with people, you can still be nice to people, and you can still have a good day with people that you don't like. And you don't have to like everyone, but honestly, I like a lot of my coworkers. Like, everyone is really awesome. And even if you kind of have a tiff with someone, it doesn't really matter because you're there for the patient. And I don't, I always tell new students that come into the OR, really nothing matters except for the patient. It doesn't matter that, you know, your feet are sore right now. It doesn't matter that, you know, you're worried about the weekend and, and whether, you know, you're going to make a, your son's soccer game or something. That's just an example. But, you know, just, just be present in the moment and you're doing this surgery right now with these people and it doesn't matter if they like you or if they don't like you. It doesn't matter if you make a little mistake. Really, what matters is the patient. So as long as the patient is okay, nothing, nothing matters. You've touched on so many great things today that I know that the listeners are getting so much value out of just having had this, um, I guess maybe about 40 minutes that we've had conversation. I could probably talk with you for another hour or two, but I know that there are time constraints <laughs> and I've loved catching up with you. So I want to thank you for joining us today on Frontline Nursing of the Week. Now, if you'd like to hear more, join us at nurseminder.com frontline nursing and join us as a member for the podcast family where you can hear Rosalie jump back on. She had a very special message she wanted to share after the recording.